Welcome to Jack Stargun's podcast. I am undeniably your host, Jack. Welcome to the show, everybody. I hope you guys are having a lovely day. Um, yeah, Monday. I'm recording this on a Sunday, November 20th. Good day, good day. Um, so we'll start off with an inspirational quote by Thomas Edison. Uh, Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. Thank you, Thomas Edison. And I know who's going to be putting that work in in the World Cup tomorrow. Uh, England and Iran at 6 a.m. USA and Wales uh, at 12 p.m. tomorrow. And then Senegal and Netherlands tomorrow at 9 a.m. So you guys are going to be watching those games on my predictions. Um... Yeah, World Cup started, everybody. Today, Qatar and Ecuador uh, battled it out, and Ecuador beat them 2-0. So there's that. It's funny because FIFA World Cup is in Qatar. Um, I was just deployed over in Jordan, and when I was deployed, the whole Taliban took over Afghanistan. When I I wasn't there. like I wasn't in um, Qatar, Afghanistan. I was in Jordan. And when that happened, a bunch of refugees went to Qatar and they housed them up. So it was pretty interesting that, you know, that's where the World Cup is for this year, for this uh, World Cup season. So super excited, though. I guess my match predictions for England and Iran tomorrow at 6 a.m. I think England's going to be Iran. Got to be 3-0. 3-0. Before, before halftime, too. Has to be. Um, Senegal versus Netherlands. I think Netherlands will take the win. Probably 1-0 on that one. And then U.S. versus Wales. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm really hoping that the United States pulls something together this time around. And uh, we put a good field on the, good, put a good team on the pitch. So we'll see. It's tomorrow at 12. But I'm going to go with U.S. 1-0 versus Wales. Or it might end in a tie. I don't know. Might be 1-1. One, one. I'll go with 1-1, one, one, USA versus Wales. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to start with um, uh, Buffaloes. Uh, Buffaloes are terrifying, first of all. Huge, ginormous, ginormous creatures. Um, but Buffaloes, uh, fun fact, they actually hate rain. And they hate when a storm is coming. So... What they do when a storm starts coming, they run straight to the storm, straight at it. And because if they were to run away, they know that the storm will catch up to them eventually because they're, you know, not that fast. But it's shorter to go into the storm. So they know that they can get out of the storm a lot faster if they just run straight through it. And I think that's a good metaphor in life. So when you're going through a season of storm, like I know I have been. I think it's better to acknowledge that you're in that storm and you should face it head on and, and push push through the storm and go through it instead of running away from the problem and running away from the storm because that's not going to do any, any good and you're just going to keep, the storm's going to keep following you because the storm's going in one direction and that one direction is not going to stop. But if you run to it, you get out of it a lot faster and that, that's what I'm, I know I'm trying to do. I know it's very difficult, but I know everyone can do it. Um, the FCRA, that is the Fair Credit Report Act, um, updated, um, what they're able to do. It's a federal law that helps ensure the accuracy, fairness, and privacy of the information of consumer credit. 
So they're able to, um, if you apply and you put in your paperwork, um, they could take stuff off your credit report because I know it takes a really long time. But if you apply, say if you're trying to apply a loan for a house, you can actually, um, and you have bad credit or you have something on your credit report that was like a bankruptcy that was years ago but you know a bankruptcy lasts like what seven years on your on your credit report or maybe less i uh, couldn't couldn't be too sure but you can take that off by just filling in a, a little a couple paperwork sides you know go look into that i'm definitely going to do it um especially during this pandemic i know a lot of people actually took a lot of loans out to get by so just some more information for you guys to help out you know that's what we do here that's what we do here jack Stargan, just give you all the facts <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I was... <laughs> so I was looking at this. Uh, I was comparing music today. And uh, <laughs> have you guys heard the song by Lu- Till the Cows Come Home by Lucille Bogan? I think it was out like... Oh, my God. It dropped like early 1900s in in America. And um, she's like... <laughs> she's a if you suck my pussy, baby, I will suck your dick. And then I, I just saw that. It's I think it's trending sound on uh, either on Instagram, on the reels, and then a trending sound on um, TikTok. And I heard that. I was like, oh, my God. And it's definitely not as bad as what, what we go, music that we, that we have going on now. I think it's just due to desensitization that everyone's like, yeah, that's not too bad. Or like, you know, but it's actually really bad. And nowadays, I feel like music is it's not like that at all. I mean, yeah, we talk about, you know, I guess rappers and different types of music talk about, you know, getting money and getting girls and all this different stuff. But it, I don't think it was that vulgar. Or maybe it could be. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just sheltered. But <laughs> I thought it was really funny, like, when you compare music back then to music now, it really freaking got... It really got me laughing the other day. I was like, oh, my God, I got to write this down. Um, anyway, moving on to a serious note. <laughs> this is what's going to be, guys. I'm going to jump around. <laughs> moving on to a serious note. Um, I have been thinking about um, how to move through all my emotions, especially big emotions uh, that have been affecting me a lot recently. And uh, I hope whatever I have come up with can help you guys. Um, so the way I navigate my through my emotions now, which I'm trying to do a lot better about, is um, you know, I want to pause and then acknowledge uh, the emotion and give it space and time to breathe. I know that for me, reactivity to something was immediate. It was always like, you know, I need to, I need to tell my side so they can understand me. I need to tell this I need to get this emotion out so that person can that person can understand how bad I'm hurt or that person can understand how much what much what they said has hurt me personally. Um, but you guys should pause and acknowledge. I've learned that that it's it's easier to calm yourself down, especially when you're you know in the heat of the moment. Um, sense uh, sense the emotion in your body. Uh, where do I feel it? You know um, that's a great thing. Is when you sense it when you're around you, like you feel your hands getting clenched or you're clenching your jaw when you're so angry or, or when you're sad or, you know, you just you, you start to back away or anything like feel that emotion, what's what it's doing to you physically. So sense that um, name the emotion. Uh, like I said, are you sad, angry, ha- happy, 
because you can have big emotions that you're trying to relegate to your happiness, you know. Um, and then, you know, you want to remember that you are safe and all the all emotions pass eventually. So even if you're sad or, or scared or um, angry or anything, you have to remember that you're safe and it's okay to feel that emotion. Um, but know it's going to end at some point, whether it be in a couple minutes, a couple hours, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple years, a couple months, whatever it is. Um, attribute the cause. Uh, what caused it to appear? Is it what that other person said or is it something that I feel about myself? So I can't really blame them if it's something that I feel and I shouldn't be blaming other people because it's my own, my, my own emotions, right? So um, you definitely want to attribute the cause, you know, the cause, what caused it. Um, decode its message. Uh, why is this messaging me? So really when you look at the big emotion and when you're feeling that way, you got to try and decode it and be like, why am I reacting so angrily? Or why am I reacting so sad? Or why am I reacting in this type of manner? Why is it such a big emotion? Why does it have this type of hold on me? You know, so you're going to try and decode it. And that's what comes back to taking that pause and acknowledge what it is for what it is. And that kind of ties in hand when you're trying to decode it, when you're trying to figure out why am I feeling this emotion in the first place? Um, Act. Decide how to cope and act. So, you know, a lot of these emotions are going to become unresolved, especially for me. I've learned that not every emotion that I'm feeling can just be resolved right then and there. And it takes time and it takes effort and you have to really try and act on it, whether that be talking to a close friend about the problem, uh, which is not always the best case, you know, or talking to a therapist or talking to anyone, or even starting your own podcast so you have your own <laughs> platform for your own therapy. And I feel like doing this for me, because me writing all this stuff down and writing what I'm thinking has been helping and very therapeutic. Um, and on my last podcast, I would carry a journal. I would carry a journal everywhere, and I'm doing that again. Um, on my off days, I go out in the city. Um, I know I was all, out all day yesterday, and I was like, I need to I need to just write. I need to write, figure things out, um, and then figure out what I really want to talk about in the podcast. And this came up. Uh, this was actually, I wrote this, all this stuff like God, weeks ago. Not a week ago, weeks ago. It was this past week. It was like Wednesday. So um, anyway, moving on to the last one is let it go. Uh, when you feel ready, let it go in a very safe way. Don't let it go like going to do a bender, you know, and drinking and that's how you're going to let it go because you're not technically letting it go that way you're, you're you're adding fuel to the fire so when you want to let it go you know take a walk you know you sat with it long enough and if you haven't come up with any resolve to it then that means it's not meant for you to resolve because now you're thinking not just about your emotion you're thinking about what gave you that emotion and that person and that's that comes down to like you trying to change someone else so Definitely let it go in a very safe way where you feel that you, you have let it go. And, and honestly, that's on everyone's own time, you know, so I can't tell anyone. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting my Ted Lasso out for all of you guys who don't know who Ted Lasso is. It's that show about um, an American football coach coming to, coming to uh, coach um, soccer or football over in England. Very good show. Very good show. Very wholesome. Um, I feel like I'm now I'm talking about these big emotions. I feel like I'm 
becoming more and more like Ted Lasso. And if you anyone, you guys know what I look like. I have a, a mustache that I grew out in, in my deployment. So um, <laughs> it's a part of my identity now. And Ted Lasso has a mustache. Um, one of his great sayings on the show, I loved it. It was um, he asked one of the players, like, hey, do you know what the, you know, the, what the smartest animal or the greatest animal in the world is? Um, and he said it was a goldfish. And, it, and, it, and a goldfish has a 10-second memory. And that's why it's the greatest animal in the world, where even if it does something wrong, it was, that, it was that metaphor, even if it does something wrong, you know, it forgets it right away. And then it can bounce right back. And, you know, when you make those types of mistakes, um, you can just bounce right back, have that 10-second memory, be a goldfish. And um, I feel like I'm taking that in my life a lot more seriously, where it's like when someone hurts me or I don't get the things that I want, you know, Am I just going to stop? No, I'm going to bounce right back. And that's why I want to be more like Ted, La- Ted Lasso. And I already have the mustache, so it works out. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. So, crazy enough, with method acting, I've, I've found in method acting that... Um, I know I just, I just migrated to method acting after that one. Um, method acting is insane to me. I feel like whoever is an actor, maybe they, you know, you guys can comment... And uh, I'll leave an option to comment uh, with your thoughts on method acting. I think it's terrifying. Because take, take um, uh, what's it called? What's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis. If anyone knows who Daniel Day-Lewis is, he, he was in Gangs of New York, that really old movie. Um, but when he did the movie, There Will Be Blood. And he sat with the character for a really long time. And he, and he enveloped that character. Same with thing with Matthew McConaughey. Um, and his character, he wrote, oh, is his character four stages of Rustin Cole and Rustin Cole was like a, a murderer. And he sat with, um, he sat with that character and he wrote a 450 page memoir to un- better understand his character. And he kind of enveloped his personality. And it's the same thing with that Dahmer kid. I don't, I don't remember what his name, I, I haven't watched it. So don't, don't, don't ax me. I don't like shows like that. It's too real. Because I know it actually happened. Um, that's why I don't like true crime. Please don't shoot me. I don't like true crime because I know it's all real. But the level of like method acting is quite terrifying because they're they're taking on these characters that you know I think affect their everyday life. It take um oh god what was his name? I'll come back to it. But uh, even even that new movie Elvis, it was that same guy who was like an American and he started talking like Elvis and then after the sh- after the movie ended um you know he, he's like oh I think I've always talked like this uh-huh. and you know he <laughs> bad impersonation I know um but he uh and then they showed a clip of him talking regular so it's like even him even that's a low lower level of uh method acting where he didn't get he's he thought he always had talked like that so he's been sitting with that character and the same thing with Lady Gaga when she did that um that movie about, oh God, I can't remember what it was about. It was about, um, what she was like a, a Boston lady and she like enveloped that character and she was talking like that way for months after, after it. So, uh, my point to this method acting, you're going to need a serious therapist, especially if you're going through something like Dahmer, wasn't it Evan Peters? I think that's his name, especially going through something like that Dahmer show and how real it actually is. And into fun fact, they actually used, uh, my friend told me this 
fun fact, they actually used real, like, his actual glasses. That's why it's so, like, and his clothes. So he's wearing the murderer's clothes and his glasses that had the real blood stains on it from the real victims that he had. And that's just, like, the level of therapy that you probably have to go through to not, like, you know, envelop that character even more. It's insane, you know? Because take, take, um, take The Shining, for instance. There was multiple times when Jack like literally blacked out during the movie and they kept rolling and you see how fucking terrified she really is so they got such authentic you know authentic filming from both of them because he blacked out which is dangerous he had a fucking axe and a baseball bat in the shining and she was she was terrified she was completely terrified you see it all over her face which is insane so like even that having that level of therapy and it's like you know, I think it's great. It tells us a story, but the impact that it has on these actors' lives, I think that's, like, is that really, you know, is that the price of just entertainment for us? You know, like, where do we see that it's, like, becomes a problem maybe when they act on it? <laughs> maybe when they act on it. But honestly, it was it was really terrifying to really, you know, read about it, um, which is kind of insane. So, and and that gets me into, like, you know, it's a recovery from like mental, emotional or physical burnout, you know? And I think that like that could take years and that, that's even for regular people. Like, you know, having, you know, regular, um, attacking on your mental state or emotional state or your physical state, you know, just like a physical injury emotionally and spiritually and, 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 uh, mentally you can have a, a wound and injury for years, even through even the, what I was talking about method acting, you know, they could have a problem, a serious problem um, with that. And, um, you know, so having that been said, you know, I've been trying to remember this name. It's, I'm so stupid because so, it's one of my favorite actors. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, come on. What's his name? Pulling it up right now. Sorry, guys. Heath Ledger. What is wrong with me? It's just blanking. Heath Ledger. Even in The Joker, he said that he had nightmares, you know, for for months after, um, after The Joker and The Dark Knight. It, that, you know, that stuff is like, it sticks with you as a person. And honestly, like, it's quite insane. And then taking the physical bird out of it, like take Brandon Frazier, you know, in, in his story. And I think a lot of people know his story now, but you know, him not having a stunt, a stunt double to do his, to do his work literally almost killed him. And that's, that goes into like the physical burnout. So having a good recovery from that, you know, and even for regular people who aren't actors and all this stuff that they have to, you know, put their bodies through, um, like even Joaquin Phoenix, you know, and now I'm getting into all the Joker characters, even Batman. Um, but having that been said, like recovery from that is probably the most important thing. And I think through a platform like this, <laughs> I can I can really talk about it. And that's kind of funny too. Having a, a platform to kind of talk about these things is kind of interesting. And I feel like it's not just coming from a podcast standpoint. It Everyone has had a, has had a platform since the first social media came out. So what was that? MySpace? 
maybe even back back before that, you know. And, I, and honestly, I don't. I'm not old enough, so I'd have to look at what the first like what the first. Let me see. What what's the what's the first social media platform? Uh, okay. This is at six degrees is widely considered to be the first social networking site founded by Andrew Weinrich in May 1996. The site launched the following year and combined popular features such as profiles, friend, friends list, and school affiliations in one service. So it's called Six Degrees. So definitely Facebook stole all of that when they were developing, developing um, for Harvard and the local schools to have, because you know, they used that URL for Harvard. That's kind of interesting. So having that first set of platform, but now everyone has a platform. And I'm not just talking about something that's a huge platform, but you have your subcategories of a platform like Instagram, you have your own Instagram account. Affiliate Facebook, you have your own Facebook account. Twitter, you have your own Twitter account. Um, TikTok, you have your own TikTok account. Uh, what else? LinkedIn is even your, your social platform to put yourself out there and put your own information out there. And that's why it's like, Whoever hasn't, unless you're living like in a super rural area and since 1996 when all this stuff started coming out and you never put your stuff on, on, you know, online, you know, then you're, you're probably safe and you're still living in a rural area. So if you're like a, what, Amish, but I think that's kind of interesting that you can Google anybody's name and you'll find something about them, either their social platform on anything and it's not hidden unless you want to hide it. But anyone can dig to find your birthday. Anyone can dig to find, you know, even your location of where you're dropping different shit. I'm sure people can figure out exactly where I am right now um, after I drop this podcast, <laughs> you know, which is fine. You know, welcome. But um, I thought it was interesting that everyone has like a different type of platform for anything, you know. And do you, you know, do you embrace that type of future after you've already been invested in it, you know, and you wait and you, you know, you see the developments in technology, like take the metaverse, for instance, like Apple having that new headset to live in the metaverse and slash play. And I was talking to, I was talking to a bunch of people yesterday about it. Um, I was at this kid's, this, my friend's kid's birthday party and I was talking to all these parents and um, I was talking about, you know, Apple's new headset, you know, that, that allows you to play or, do things in the metaverse and solely for the metaverse. Um, and it's kind of getting into that whole movie, Ready Player One. So when you start incentivizing um, how people can make money through the metaverse, people are going to start just quitting all their jobs. And it's going to be fully metaverse remote now where they can work on, you know, and and how you incentivize that so you can live in the real world. Um you can offer jobs in like cybersecurity. You know, you can have a metaverse cybersecurity team that runs firewall you know through all platforms or programs or whatever you can do but it's kind of funny that when you start seeing a, a monetization of this when you know it's same thing with like pop-up ads you know and it, you know it goes back to all that you know but like ready player one when you start incentivizing playing the game and and when people can make money it's just like a, a very highly advanced way to gamble in very high intense way to do all these things. I think streamers and all this stuff are going to be moving in that platform in the next 10, 15 years. Um, maybe even sooner than that, you know, where, you know, people are going to be watching them and taking notes, especially when you have, 
when they start incentivizing playing the game, where it'd be you're winning a prize, you're winning anything. That's that's going to be the incentive for everyone on the earth to play or work in the metaverse instead of really coming out in the real world. So it's like this is, this is kind of kind of funny because like do you ref, do you conform to that? Do you conform to you know what the metaverse is and what it's going to be getting? Because you got the first taste from NFTs. You got the very first taste of how you would incentivize digital artwork. That's the first taste of the metaverse. You you literally you literally got the first taste of that. So, you know, do you conform and you just continue down that rabbit hole and you just you advance with the technology along with it? Or do you do what people are doing actually nowadays since, you know, the pandemic happened? A lot of you see a lot of people quitting jobs, focusing on their self care, like I was talking last podcast, and then, you know, they're you know, they're moving, they're moving away from the big cities, they're moving out of California, they're moving away from New York, they're moving into these rural areas, and they're finding, you know, salvation and and better sustainability and a better quality of life in these rural areas that, you know, don't offer, you know, the same type of infrastructure, which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, um, that kind of pushes into, you know, algorithms, and the algorithm, algorithms on your social media and pushing into that platform, you know, for the metaverse. So it's like, what type of algorithm is going to be created for the metaverse, you know, to appeal to, um, you know, is, is it going to be multiple metaverse, metaverses, metaversi, um, <laughs> where, you know, China has their own, America has their own. Is it, is it going to be segregated like that? I don't think so, you know, because you have cross-platform gameplay. So, you know. If that's the way it's going to go, what the metaverse is going to be, you know, you know, it's just like a in-person Sims, to be honest with you, and you're still not living your life, which is kind of interesting. But um, it kind of goes on to your, your algorithm for your um, For You page, because on my For You page is a kind of insane little, little sidebar. Um, on my For You page, I've been seeing um, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of car crashes videos. I don't know if anyone else you can I'll. I'll give an option for you guys to comment. Um, I don't know about anybody else. I, I've been seeing car crash videos, whether it be on a motorcycle, whether it be anything else. I've just been constantly seeing car crash videos. But then at the same time, in the real world, I like ask some of my friends that I've talked to, I've been seeing nothing but car crashes for the last two months. For the last two months, I've been seeing car crash, car crash, car crash all over. We in Denver alone, we when the first snowfall hit here, we had a hundred car a hundred car pile up um what on the twenty five? So it's insane that that's happening. And now all every single day I see at least I see at least one or two um car crash videos on my for you page on every single so, one of my social medias. And it's kinda crazy. Um and I'm just trying to figure out where that, you know, the similar algorithms are kind of pushing together for my one, you know, my one section. And, and there's there's algorithms for everything, right? Shadow banning, there's an algorithm on Twitter for shadow banning. So if you don't say, you know, if you say um, Bruce Jenner instead of fucking Caitlyn Jenner, you know, on uh, on Twitter, you're going to get fucking shadow banned or you're going to get banned off Twitter. And I don't know if that's still the same way because Elon's running it, but, you know, I'll give it a try and, and we'll we'll do a test run, <laughs> but um, you know, and you know, honestly, we've been learning that you know China owns TikTok, right? So China owns the algorithm for TikTok, and so you see the differences 
you know, if you really look it up, you see the differences of the For You pages for um, Chinese, you know, youth, and you see art, um, architecture, math, sciences, something that would enrich the kids' minds. And then you see over here in the U.S., you see, you know, kids learning a TikTok dance. And then they incentivize those kids making, getting millions of views from dancing, which is great. It's an art form. Amazing. But you're, you're incentivizing these kids who, who want to stop working and they, or want to stop having dreams of doing like becoming a doctor or whatever they want to do or becoming a nurse, whatever it is. You're incentivizing these influencers, giving them money, giving them a platform to sell your products, to be in advertisements, which is great. It's, a, it's an opportunity for them. It's an opportunity for your business. But it's limiting the youth. It's limiting the youth's fucking mind to think outside of – Okay, now I'm going to be a dancer on TikTok and I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to be an influencer. I don't want to go to college. I don't want to I don't want to work. I don't want to do that. And that that's really what's happening. And so China has figured out how to control this algorithm where they send their youth all this helpful information that's enriching and then pushing United States for you pages to say Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this girl dancing, and now I want to be an influencer, and that's as far as I'm gonna go, because there's money in it. But you're not actually enriching your country. You're enriching that individual person that wants to be a social media influencer, but all they're doing is a 30 second dance, <laughs> and it's not really teaching you anything. You know, maybe like how to move movement. Maybe it's like a little healthier. I don't know. But there's arguments to both sides. But if you really look at it. You know, that's what it, that's what everyone sees. If you ask any parents, it's the same thing I was talking to these parents yesterday about that's happening. And it's, it's not like something that you can just stop. That is literally what it is. And it's kind of insane to me um, that people haven't actually recognized it yet. Um, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, oh, man, those activists, those activists. You know, I was talking last podcast where they're <laughs> fucking gluing themselves to Ferraris and gluing themselves to to paintings. Uh, I found out that they're throwing soup now. They're throwing soup um, on old Da Vinci paintings to show that we put a higher value on material things than human lives. Now they're just throwing soup. So now you're wasting food. You're wasting the food that you're saying that you aren't able to have and you aren't able to to, you're, you're making this big point by throwing food that kids could use to eat that you're saying that they don't have. So I think it's just really, it's really a silly, it's a really silly movement. If they could just, if anything, create a movement to, to take all that food that you're throwing on paintings and give it back to the communities, give it to the homeless, give it to these kids that, you know, whatever wherever they are send it to a rural country or if you want to keep it all in america go help out in a group home go help out and talk and speak at kids in a group home kids who are on the foster care system like really like go and speak to those kids that are waiting to get to waiting to get um waiting to get uh, adopted go make some real change go work at a soup kitchen Go take all of the money that you spent on throwing soup at a at a painting for your social platform, wink, wink, everybody, to, so you look like you're an activist. 
but you're not. Go plant some fucking trees then. Go clean up the ocean. Go step out and do those things. Don't be throwing don't be throwing don't be throwing soup on a on a million dollar painting because the people that have that painting want to want to price it at that. That's fine. That's American dream. That's capitalism. I'm not saying that is right. There's a lot of things that money could go to. But if everyone stops this activism bullshit and think that you are actually making those changes, you're not. You're not making any of those fucking changes by throwing good food that you could give to the homeless onto a fucking painting and then gluing yourself to that painting so that you can just it's, – it's just a bothersome. You're just, you're just crying like a, a kid was a tantrum. You're having a fucking tantrum. Go and actually make real change. So that's my rant. That's my rant for the day. <laughs> um Last thing, last thing, guys. Um, <laughs> I saw this, so I was going to ask you guys. Again, I'll make another comment section, but um, yeah, last thing. Uh, if you had to have a sticker on your car, I've been seeing a bunch of stickers. <laughs> if you had to have a sticker on your car, um, what would it be? Because mine would be, um, don't park too close, I'm chunky. <laughs> I see that sticker all over the place. <laughs> Don't park too close. I'm chunky. I thought it was great. So anyway, next podcast, I'll give you um, World Cup standings. Uh, go US. I hope I hope you guys have figured it out. Um, I'm not too sure. I am crossing my fingers and maybe, maybe uh, you guys will finally pull it through. And England, good luck tomorrow. Uh, the other ones, uh, Netherlands, I know is going to win. So those are my those are my three predictions. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your week, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.